Hi, this is Will Wheaton from Radio Free Burrito, and you are listening to Versus the World Radio. This show is brought to you in part by the University of Advancing Technology. UAT is a unique technology-infused private college that was founded by a geek for other geeks. Our mission is to educate students in the fields of advancing technology to become innovators of the future. UAT's campus culture is devoted to continually nurturing a thriving geek community where everyone's personal lives and professional aspirations revolve around technology. The beginning of the 21st century is an exciting time to be in the technology community. Current subjects of ongoing research and scholarship at UAT include robotics and embedded systems, artificial life programming, information and network security, game development, and other areas of advanced technology. Check them out on the web at www.uat.edu. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Alpha Geek Interviews coming to you live, pre-recorded, from Phoenix Comic Con 2011. I am with Paul Cornell coming across the pond to join us as the accent is about to inform you. Welcome to Alpha Geek Interviews. Hiya! Thank you for destroying my intro. <laughs> You've been very helpful. I think we're done here. Hello. Author, screenwriter, general uh, nerd icon extraordinaire. <laughs> yes, you didn't know that about yourself. I found it on the internet. Give us, uh, for those of our listeners who have not followed you up to this point, a little bit of your back catalog of things you have written for that we may have heard of. Mm. Um, well, I've written three episodes of Doctor Who. I am the only person to have been Hugo Award nominated for prose, comics, and television. Um, I've been to number one on the New York Times bestseller list. I do action comics for DC Comics and Night and Squire for DC. I've done Batman and Robin. I did Captain Britain for Marvel, all sorts of things, really. I've got a novel coming out next year from Tor, uh, an urban fantasy called Cops and Monsters. Cops and Monsters. I've done the entire plug now. I might as well just wander off. Well, you need to write a major screenplay, and then you can just retire to a cemetery. <laughs> when you say retire to a cemetery, is that some kind of euphemism? <laughs> well, no, that, that's a very polite way of saying it. Shuffle off this mortal coil. Retire to a cemetery, I'm afraid. Die happy. Yes. Uh, there's a uh, no small achievement having gotten the Hugo and uh, uh, nod for all those different categories. All of which are going to show up very brightly on our particular nerd radar. Yes, but never won it. Nominated, didn't win. Oh, but I tell always you what, a bridesmaid, never a bride. I tell you what, I won the um, Eagle Award yesterday. I heard that you best, had heard best newcomer after only twenty-one years as a professional comic writer. How old are the people on this committee? <laughs> it's a public. The vote. new kid. It's a public vote. <laughs> in what category <laughs> did you win your Eagle for best newcomer? Yes. What category was that in? Or for what um, for what work rather? Oh, or just knows? just it, it's, it's for it's a, a body of work. Yes. Okay, I don't. I, I beat I beat Brian Lee O'Malley. I'm not sure he's a newcomer either. Apparently, apparently <laughs> you'd be older than dirt to qualify as an old hand. Congratulations. Thank you. Well deserved. Um, you first showed up on my particular geek radar via Doctor Who, of which I'm an old school fan. Uh, the question I ask people who have written for Doctor Who: Were you also a fan growing up? Oh of, yes, hugely. It was my the center of my world it's sort of the thing that's um been responsible for my entire career in the 15 years between the old doctor who and the new doctor who i became a television writer so that if doctor who ever returned i could write for it that turned out to be a wonderfully uh far-sighted strategy <laughs> a number of other people had the same thought now who is uh, your doctor um back in the day it's either peter davison or sylvester mccoy um 
but uh, I couldn't choose between all these wonderful new ones. But um, different beast in many yeah. ways. Mm. It's, it is rare that I meet a kindred Sylvester McCoy spirit. Yeah, it, um, people actually, I think, still undervalue him. They don't get how good it was. I mean, Wait. when you take Survival right at the end of the old show, there seems like two weeks between that and Rose. Mm-hmm. To be honest, the, the style is it does so carry through. Yeah, but the. Uh, the writing in in the in the McCoy era was, I think the polite word is uneven, and I think they still did tremendously good work with the shoestring budget they had been handed, mm. um, and some of the dialogue that they were handed. And I have I have very fond memories of Sylvester McCoy. I love him as an actor. I'm looking forward to seeing him in the new Hobbit movie. Oh, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I was actually surprised. I'm, I'm always getting people. Oh yeah, Pertwee or uh, Baker, the first Baker. Well, that's vanilla. You know, that's, that's everybody easy. loves yeah. Tom Baker. What's not to love? Yeah. It's the curls. Uh, now, your era was uh, both Eccleston and Tennant era. <laughs> it's not video, it's audio. You can come on through, and we can edit it out in post. It's a wonderful thing. Um, what was the first episode of the modern era that you have written for, for the Doctor Who? Um, Father's Day for Christopher Eccleston, and then Human Nature and the Family of Blood for David Tennant. Now, that introduced a very interesting mechanism to the Doctor Who universe, which they then went on to use in some very creative ways, which was the rewriting of the genetic code of a Time Lord to hide as a human. Yes. Which was then used to tremendous effect to revive a particular villain later on. Oh, yes. I think that was the uh, Russell's game plan all along. Ah, did, did they come to you and say, we need you to have this mechanism, or was that something you created? Um, the mechanism was in the book, okay. uh, which was adapted to um, the screenplay, but in the book it's a cricket ball, okay. and that's what we went for for a couple of drafts in the new version as well. I think that was at the point where Russell tied it in and went with his fob watch. Okay. It was a, a, a wonderful prop, a nice oh, looking yeah. thing, but just the whole concept of, oh, we're going to turn him human for a bit and he's going to forget everything and not going to fall for the woman you, you all thought we were going for. Yes, absolutely. One of the comments that I saw come up in the Doctor Who fan discussion panel yesterday was a thumbs up or a thumbs down on the romanticization, the sexualization of the newer Doctor where this man has feelings for humans. And that was a definitely an aspect of, especially that two-part story, um, with Martha pining after the Doctor, basically. Um, how do you feel about that new tack that they've taken with the character in the Revival series? Um, I think it's excellent. I think um, it's kicking down another closet door. It's, um, uh, it has my wife watching. Well, yes, absolutely. And, and also, you know, as a fan myself, as a fan of all sorts of, in all sorts of ways, a deeply fan culture person, yeah, of course we, ha- we have trouble with sex- sexuality. You know, we have... Um, you know, uh, there's a certain nerd distance. And, um, you know, uh, the Doctor having a sexuality, albeit a distant, complicated one, I think is... Often it's, resisted. I, th- I think is far truer to fan culture than him having none at all. And um, considering, you know, Matt has... Uh, the 11th Doctor has... Um, you know, a woman that he has no idea what his relationship with is. Which I think is wonderfully fun to, to observe. And, and some slight sexual tension with one half of a married couple which he doesn't reciprocate. This is not a porn movie, for God's sake. No. 
but it certainly is a very interesting... Uh, figuring out where they're going with the Amy Pond character as she relates to and obviously has this intense interest in the Doctor even now that she's happily married and is very ha I, obviously happily married. I think married. that's become sort of more a, a kind of fairy tale thing. I think, um, uh, uh, you know, she, he's her complete hero in the center of her world. I, don't, I think that's a little different. I think she and Rory really are. No, they make that very clear yeah. in the writing and the acting portrays it beautifully, which makes me think that then what is this other piece here where she very obviously still has all these emotions that maybe she just got there faster than any other companion in history seeing there is no future here. Well, I, I think she just loves Rory. Um, but, you know, this is, this is also true to real life. You know, we've all got that person, you know, uh, who's nothing of which is ever going to happen with, you know? But you still, the feelings are still there. And it's, I think well, they're doing a fun time illustrating it in the current season. Um, I, I think I'll let, let's edit that bit out. <laughs> <laughs> because actually, I don't know where I was going with that, but it'll sound to anybody like I'm thinking of a particular person, you know? I'm not going to touch that. <laughs> um, I'm going to pause the recording because there's something interesting happening behind you. Hello. For the listener, no time will have passed. <laughs> but to describe to you what we just paused the recording for was the spontaneous outpouring of Doctor Who nerd squeed <laughs> in the form of a three-fifth scale felt TARDIS. Uh, what, what, do you, what do you call a group? What's the group um, uh, descriptor for a bunch of uh, Doctor Who's? Whovians, <laughs> I believe, is the proper term, or that one has been coined in, in my old con going they, days. They were, all, they were a bunch of... Um, uh, 11th and 10th Doctors and an Amy Pond. Yes. Uh, there were about 10 of them. <laughs> be afraid, be very afraid. <laughs> yeah, there was a wonderful photo opportunity materialized. I love that. Yeah, the, the way Doctor Who's caught on over here, uh, the youth of the fans and all the cosplay, it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, and for my generation, it's an interesting, oh, now they get it. Because <laughs> I've been watching since, you know, the 70s. Yeah. And I, I don't want to go down the road of, well, I liked it when it wasn't cool, because no... It wasn't cool. <laughs> now it is, and I'm glad for that because I'm even more entertained. But getting back to we'll conclude our talking about the Doctor Who topic, um, noticed about your storylines that you've gotten into screenwriting, were they very deliberately Earth-based stories and very much period pieces? Because you had an 80s show and a 40s show. Um, it never occurred to me before. Um, one's uh, responding to the age of Billy Piper's character, the other is an adaptation of an existing book, so okay. didn't really have, you know, that's what they're for, you know. Okay. You know, there's a deliberate choice on your, where you, just, where you had a preference for Earth-based versus space-based? Oh, no, I'll take anything that's going. Oh, very good. Um, any uh, discussions to uh, write for them more in the future, or just waiting to hear for well, whenever they need you next? always available for selection by Doctor Who. Very excellent. Switching over to my comic nerd hat. Um, currently, you're doing most of your writing with DC. You have worked with Marvel in the, in the I, past. I'm, I'm DC exclusive at the moment. Okay. Um, and what titles are you active on in the DC house right now? It's just action comics right now. Oh, oh merely. Uh, merely. Action comics. Yes. Merely the, the genesis for the entire studio. No big deal. <laughs> so a fair amount of uh, Superman uh, passing under your pen. Indeed. And what do you enjoy most about writing you know, an iconic character like that? Um, 
it's ev that everybody knows who he is. Everybody knows who Lex Luthor is. Everybody knows who Superman's supporting cast is, even. That's a luxury that not often afforded to a comic writer. Um, so, you know, you can play off these um, well-known characters. And that's, that's fabulous to do. Now, do you have any interesting reimaginings or new directions, which are very frightening terms for a fan to hear, uh, that you wish to take the character? Not really. We've, um, we haven't had the classic Superman, uh, you know, doing his classic thing in the comics for at least a year or so. So I really want to uh, present, you know, the, the basic Superman right now. Here is what you signed up for. Mm. I will now serve it to you. Although um, we, I have given him back um, thought balloons. <laughs> because I like thought balloons, I want them back, and if any character needs them, it's Superman, because he doubts and fears and worries, but he doesn't express those doubts and fears and worries to the people around him, because that might make them doubt and fear and worry too. So he needs thought balloons. That was something that I hadn't really uh, subconsciously been aware of, that the internal monologue has been missing from Absolutely. comics for some time. Well, they, they've been replaced with uh, kind of narrative caption boxes. But yes, that's that's a, a but that's a different feeling. thing. Yeah, That's a narrator. I like the fact that Chris Robeson decided to bring back the thought balloon in um, uh, Superman at the, mm -hmm. exactly the same month as I did. So suddenly, and we, we didn't consult, and suddenly, you know, Superman's uh, superpower is that he has thought balloons. <laughs> that, is, that is several kinds of awesome. Um, now you maybe forget where I was going with that. On the novel writing front, you mentioned in passing earlier that with Tor Books, torbooks.com, yes. you have an upcoming publication. Yep. I've, um, I've got slated it. for when approximately? Um, next year. Um, it's an urban fantasy called Cops and Monsters. It's um, a undercover unit of the modern metropolitan police in London uh, who find that they are the only ones who can see the monsters and the ghosts and the supernatural. And so they decide to deal with it using police methods. Cops and Monsters hot on the heels of Cowboys and Aliens. Uh, hadn't Completely even accidental. About it. <laughs> Nobody will remember um, anything like that by next year. Of course not. No. Of course not. No, um, no, 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 no. And I've al I'm also uh, lucky enough to have a story in um, George R.R. R. Martin's Wild Cards anthology this summer. Ah, yes. Wild Cards has been going for, I think we can measure it in decades now. Absolutely. It's, it has a wonderfully lengthy existence, and they've kept um, their continuity going across that time period. So we Which is we, no mean feat. Indeed. So we, we rejoin heroes from decades ago, and they've aged decades. Uh, it's a wonderfully consistent universe. Now, for listeners out there who may not know what Wild Cards is, it is a shared universe anthology, which is something that's not done very much anymore, mm. where a Bible is written of, here is the universe, here are the rules that shall not be broken, everything else run amok. And it is given to various authors to write a story in. And your most recent one focuses on? Um, it's uh, involving um, a fan favorite Wild Cards character, The Sleeper, and a new character I've created. And um, it's, a, it's, a bit of a, it's a bit of a romantic comedy, really. Anyone, kind of a screwball comedy. Anyone drawing a Joker in this episode? Sorry? Anyone draw a Joker in this card? In um, this, no. Uh, go around? Oh, good. <laughs> a little bit overused. And is that already in publication, or is that coming soon? Um, that's this June. And do you know the name of the um, the issue that it's going to come in? Or the oh, what's it called? Um, 
Yes, it's called the antho- the uh, collection's called the anthology is called Fort Freak. Okay. Because it's all set around a particular police precinct in Jokertown. Very good. Um, at the very least, you can do a search for Wild Cards and Martin, and that should get you close enough to the publication. But it'll be, is that also through Tor, do you know? Uh, yes, it's uh, Tor. Okay, so torbooks.com is your source for that. Any other irons you have in the fire? Um, there are lots of interesting things uh, with DC at the moment that I can't talk about yet. Uh, of but course. But um, there'll be some nice announcements in the next few weeks. Very good. So keep your eyes on dccomics.com for that. Just you know, look for the little uh, Paul Cornell label on it. Perhaps inside of a thought balloon. <laughs> Doing the pause. Oh well, thank you very much. Thank you very much for taking the time out of your convention to talk to us. You have been listening to an episode of Alpha Geek Interviews on Versus the World Radio, VTWProductions.com. Check us out on the web. Check out the shows tab. You will be glad that you did. I have been Gnomewise. That has been Mr. Cornell. We are out of here as of now. <laughs> <laughs>